Hey, I'm Michaela Lefrac, the host of Vermont Edition. The podcast you're about to listen to has been edited for clarity and brevity. Happy listening. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Michaela Lefrac. Today, we are headed north. If you can't beat the winter, just embrace it. And that is exactly what the residents of the world-class city of Montreal are experts at doing, leaning into the harsh winter weather and creating fun events and experiences to warm the body and the soul. We'll be talking to Montreal travel and event experts from both Vermont and Quebec. Now, our first guest today is Melissa Passanen. She's the food editor at Seven Days, and she happens to have traveled to Montreal just this past weekend. Melissa, welcome to Vermont Edition. So great to be here, Michaela. Thanks. And you went to Montreal, I assume, uh, as research for Vermont Edition specifically, uh, right? But of course, I just happened to also have Madonna concert tickets. (gasps) You did? Yes. (laughs) But it's always as much about eating whenever I go there as it is about museums (laughs) or whatever other culture, for sure. So uh, in this, this recent trip, what was the best thing that you ate? Well, we appear to have made a habit of uh, we usually get up early afternoon and Larry's, which is this wonderful sort of casual neighborhood spot on Saint Laurent um, in the Mile End is become like where we go to have our first drink and uh, first little bites. And it's just a great place. And we went there Mm. at around two on Saturday afternoon to start eating and drinking. (sighs) That sounds like a great day, much more fun than my Saturday. So did that take you on a tour of other places? Did you hit a few other spots? Well, I will admit, we did stop at another place that I had had on my list for a while on the way there. So two places within the first <laughs> half hour. That's the way I roll, of course. Um, and so we had popped into this little place called Drogeria Fine, a fine, I guess, um, which actually you don't pop into. It's a line. And it was cold. And there was already a line when we got there. And so this place serves these little white... Chinese food cartons full of steaming hot gnocchi with a really good tomato sauce and you can opt to get extra cheese extra hot pepper um, five bucks Canadian for the basic. Uh, yeah, good. What? Yes. I mean, the problem is, of course, that you can't, it's too chilly to kind of hang out on the sidewalk sure. and eat. So that was why we had to then go to Larry's mm. after our opening day <laughs> snack. I like the way you live. I respect it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that sounds amazing. And there's a lot of, I mean, let's, let's start with Italian food since you just brought up gnocchi. Uh, there's a lot of great Italian food in yes. Montreal, right? Do you have other favorite spots? I mean, one of the things, and I might be preempting one of your questions that, that I love about Montreal is that it has all of these neighborhoods mm. with kind of distinct personalities. So it has obviously still a Chinatown that is obviously got some touristy stuff to it, but it's also got some great places. Um, and then the Little Italy area is really cool. Uh, so there um, on the big trip that I did for the May issue of um, Seven Days, excuse me, June issue, it will be, we're doing Quebec again this year. And this year it will be a May issue, but last year it was a June issue. And I went up in May 
And we did spend quite a bit of time in Little Italy and had, you know, cannoli from one place and these really great Italian sandwiches from another place. So and we went to this classic Cafe Olimpico kind of old school coffee shop where there were soccer posters and flags, I guess really flags of teams all over the wall. And you you feel like you're in Italy. Um, and that's one of the things, um, much as I love Burlington, we don't have that. We do have some global markets, but it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And so much smaller. Yes, yeah. obviously. Um, well, uh, you're making me very jealous of your job. And, and since you brought up seven days, um, I was reading the email that uh, your publisher, Paula Routley, sent just today uh, saying that the paper is upping its coverage of Quebec because that, that Quebec issue that, that you mentioned last year was such a big hit. It was flying off the, the shelves. And uh, she wrote, I thought this was interesting, if Vermonters knew about what's happening in Quebec, they would go more often and stay longer. Do you do you see do you kind of witness when you're when you're here in Vermont that kind of gap in knowledge about what's going on just a couple hours to the north? Yes. I mean, people are always asking me. I mean, they have since I've been doing this, you know, where do you go when you go to Montreal? Even though I hadn't written a whole lot about it until this most recent um, effort by seven days. Um, so people are, are often asking me and there are people who go a fair bit. Like there are a lot of chefs who go and I'll ask them for advice, but I have started keeping lists myself. And over the years, I've lived in Vermont now over 30 years, as I said in the big article that I did um, last year, um, you know, you're going, you go through different phases of life. If you have kids, you might be going over to the biodome more likely or the botanic gardens. And so you might need a different type of food than now I'm retired empty nest or not retired, I should say. Maybe that was wishful thinking. <laughs> I am not retired. <laughs> Just in case everyone well, is Paul Routley, if you're listening. Know, that's so funny. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when I retire, I expect to spend more time there, but right now I am not. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, we are going, I should say, but we don't have like kids or anything else to juggle. So that's what I mean. I'm retired as a parent somewhat. Um, <laughs> don't rub it in. <laughs> so we go, we go a lot more, I would say. Um, yeah. Plus, now that I, I did this huge story, which got way huger than I ever anticipated, uh, it, for those who didn't read it, and you can see it obviously on the seven days website we actually have a whole quebec landing page with lots of information um and news stories coming regularly like one um this week on the carnival in quebec city um but when i did this huge story that got bigger than i even anticipated it just made me want to like go more and build more knowledge and eat more good things Mm. okay so you brought up chinatown and i would love to hear some of your recommendations uh from that part of town yes so that part of town i do love it is a little kitschy but there's a place called nuit de l'anzui um and the names are all in that article um so they make hand pulled noodles and you can watch them we that was somewhere that our kids loved, right? And I've sent a number of people with kids, but it's great for everyone. They have these huge bowls of freshly hand-pulled noodles, different broths and toppings. That one is really fun. And then there's a bunch of different dumpling places. The one that I have uh, frequented is, um, I'm going to screw up the pronunciation, so I'm just going to spell it, Q U I. 
and Q, excuse me, Q I N G Hua. So King Hua Dumpling. Um, I also went to not in Chinatown, um, a dumpling place in the Rosemont La Petite Patrie neighborhood during the um, the visit where I did the big story. Um, a place called La Maison um, de Mademoiselle Dumpling, and there they also I think they've taken a page from the noodle folks. They have ladies making the dumplings in the front window, so that might be a really fun place, especially for folks with kids mm. or anyone who likes watching their food be made. Oh, yeah. Me doesn't. included. <laughs> Let's see. We we need to talk, I think, obviously, about um, bakeries. You can't go to Montreal without having a croissant, I would say. Um, what are your favorite places to get sweet treats? So a few that I have loved recently. Um this was one that I discovered thanks to this amazing Montreal um, native who helped us with the big story from last year. She uh, helped me discover a place called Aube, A-U-B-E, Boulangerie. And that's in a neighborhood that, honestly, I hadn't spent much time in, the Hochelaga Maisonneuve neighborhood. It's actually between Olympic Stadium and the St. Lawrence River. So if you're over there, Biodome, et cetera, this is a good spot. A most gorgeous almond and pistachio croissant there mm. just uh, perfection almond and pistachio mm-hmm. yum. and raspberry jam i think actually oh. in it yes yeah. um and I'm not. I don't love things that are over the top sweet. This was mm-hmm. just right. And then um, there are a couple great bakeries en Saint Laurent. And I was thinking about this today. Like if I were going to send someone who was, I want to say food obsessed, but really into food to Montreal, I might say if you're only going one place, Saint Laurent has a lot of different spots. And there are a couple really great bakeries. Um, Hoff Kelston, mm-hmm. um, they have, um, they've got a little bit of an Eastern European Jewish thing going on too. So they have babka, but really great bread and also sandwiches. Um, and then Guillaume is also on Saint Laurent, a different spot. Um, I love their herb fougasse, which is that very sort of architectural. So it's the French version sort of a focaccia, but it's chewier and oh, it I've usually looks like kind of a wheat sheaf anyway it's really cool wow oh those sound so delicious i feel uh, yeah the almond croissants are my favorite thing to eat when i'm up there um and so for folks who are traveling up there and and are on a budget um do you have any places that you love to go for some cheap eats yeah so definitely the places in Chinatown, the dumpling places are less expensive. Um, we had, this is kind of quirky, but one of the things that was a fun surprise, unexpected um, during the trip that we did um, for the June story uh, were these was this little um, spot that's been there for over 100 years in Little Italy um, called Boulangerie Margarita. And they have this cold pizza that's a, apparently a type of pizza. I never would have thought I would like it. <laughs> Plain, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, plain, very plain, perfect, though, perfect crust, kind of chewy, it's doughy, or it's not like, you know, a flatbread pizza. That, you know, was, I think, five, not even $5 Canadian for like a quarter of a pizza. Mm. Um, delicious. Um, the <laughs> The other thing... There's a really great, I just discovered this this past weekend, uh, someone had recommended this place called Omnivore on Saint Laurent, which is a small chain Lebanese food. Mm. We had this 
piled high plate of different types of meze, you could easily do this vegan, vegetarian. Um, and uh, I think, in fact, I think they were all vegan, excuse me, vegan or vegetarian, although they have meat on that menu. Um, so omnivore, really great Lebanese as I said, piled high platter for, I think it was seventeen ninety five Canadian. So, and my husband and I shared that comes with pita. So that was delicious. Um, was that, uh, that? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of of other ones, but those are sort of a few. Oh, I have to mention mapul mouillé. So this is the uh, Portuguese style charcoal grilled chicken. A lot of people, this is no hidden secret. Everyone knows it. There's long lines. Delicious. You know, just moist, comes with really good crispy potatoes. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't know that one. That sounds (laughs) delicious. Um, It might be, maybe maybe cliche is too strong of a word, but I do think when a lot of people go to Montreal, they're looking for the best plate of poutine that they can find. We haven't talked poutine yet. First, are you a fan? I mean, I do really like poutine. And it's really funny when we started going up to Montreal, like I said, like 30 years ago, you couldn't find poutine so easily here. Now it's like on every brew pub menu. So I personally don't seek it out anymore, but I know it's something people want. I mean, there are the classics, La Bonquise. I really like, um, there's one called, I'm going to say this wrong. I didn't write this down. Sorry. Patata, patati, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that one's really good. There's also a small chain called Fritalor, um, which those are all good. Um, I actually had the closest thing I had to poutine is a place I would recommend. It was a breakfast kind of poutine. It was a place called L'Entrepôt. Um, and that was actually recommended by a server at another restaurant, Enemon, which I loved, um, which is in the story. Um, but L'Entrepôt, I had this really great, they call it poutine déjeuner. And it's it was just this beautiful, it was a big bowl of like crispy, um, more like uh, roasted potatoes, but you mm. know, with that feeling. And then nuggets of bacon and the the cheese curds and cornichons, you know, the little Mm. tart pickles um, and caramelized onions and then a hollandaise and a poached egg. So that's the most recent thing that I've had that was poutine-like. Wow. (laughs) It's like poutine Benedict. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That sounds amazing. And listeners, if you are hearing this and are having caught all of the names of these recommendations, we're going to write down as many as we can and share them on our website for this show on vermontpublic.org org after today's show. So don't you worry about that. Um, Melissa, I'm curious if you, you know, in all of your years covering food in this region and traveling to Montreal, if you have seen any um, any ways in which the the food culture of Montreal has influenced Vermont food culture or vice versa, or if they feel relatively like separate scenes to you? That's a really good question. I mean, obviously, we in Vermont have a deep French-Canadian cultural connection because of the folks who came down. So I think it would be hard to tease out how much is the influence of Montreal versus how much is the influence of Quebecois folks, you know, going back and forth across the border over, you know, at least, what, 200 years, probably Mm -hmm. 150 years. Um, But... Uh, so there's kind of two things. There's home style French Canadian food, right? You tortier, you know, which is the uh, usually Christmas time sort of meat pie. You will find that on menus sometimes seasonally here, and that is 
the connection with the French Canadian folks who, you know, have make up many of our families. Then you have definitely a lot of chefs that I know have gotten to know through my work will go up to Montreal for like just inspiration. And so like Pichai, which was a place that I discovered and featured in the um, the June story, was recommended by uh, a ridge, well, by uh, Wilder Wines, Sifa, the owner of Wilder Wines in downtown Burlington. But she got that recommendation from Mika Tavalli, who um, is the chef at Paradiso, um, just got a James Beard semifinalist nod. Um, yes, it did. And he, uh, he, you know, loved that restaurant and I fell in love with that restaurant so I don't you know I don't think we're going to see that kind of Thai street food necessarily Mm -hmm. on his menu but chefs are going up and they are learning and they are bringing those um, influences back for sure Mm. and uh, glad you mentioned the James Beard uh, semi-finalist nominations I do believe don't quote me on this but we'll be hearing from all three representatives from all three restaurants and bars that were nominated on Vermont Edition next week I believe on Thursday so be sure to tune into that Um, All right. so (laughs) I I don't know if um, if you'll know the answer to this one but one thing I always find myself uh, is I'm so excited to get to Montreal that I zoom out of the Burlington area and I don't bring any food with me and I'm like so excited for all the food there but I'm hungry on the way and I'm wondering if you've ever been driving to Montreal and have found a good place to stop along the way. I mean, it's not a very long drive, so if you, most people probably don't need to stop for a snack, but you know, some of us, some of us do. Yes. Uh, I, this has never happened to me. Wow. I will okay. say only because I know like we are going somewhere within the first 30 minutes, at least of getting there. Maybe that's what I but just need to start doing. I will say, I mean, as I mentioned, and this would be a whole nother show, and I think you actually have someone from the Eastern Townships yes, who's going to be on the, the show. Today, yeah. I love the Eastern Townships too. And so you can turn off kind of right across the border and very quickly end up in Freelixburg or one of those towns which have lovely places. Um, but but on the way to Montreal, I wouldn't take the time to do that personally unless I was going on a long trip. Um, however, uh, my well, she's not my she was a predecessor of mine at Seven Days. Um, Alice Levitt, we had her do a guest um, piece for the June issue. And she mentioned a place that she likes, which is on the way Pizzeria Bedford. Mm. So you can read about that. All of that is linked through our Quebec landing page. Mm, good to know. OK. And uh, since you, you brought up today's seven days again i have to ask you about a a short piece that you wrote uh, about it's not about montreal it's about quebec city uh, and their carnival there um you shared a really excellent story about going to carnival with your then boyfriend now husband in the late 1980s um it involves extreme cold and a snowman cane yes. full of alcohol? Right. Can you tell I, us a little I, I bit more? I must publicly apologize to my husband for this, <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, so in this week's issue, I was referring, Alice's story was from the issue. Oh, um, uh, apologies. Uh, no, it's okay. I just wanted Previous to clarify. Yeah. Uh, it can all be found on our Quebec landing page. But um, so this week's story has, uh, excuse me, this week's issue has a story by um, a Quebec-based um, journalist about the Quebec City's winter carnival, which 
my husband and I did go to, as you mentioned, in the late 80s. Uh, we He was here in grad school in Vermont, and I was still living in New York City. We were woefully under-equipped when it came to warm clothing. Mm. We were idiots, I will just say. <laughs> so we are absolutely freezing, and we cannot figure out how all these other people seem to be outside doing just fine. Well, I think they were wearing way better clothes than us, like ski suits. Ah. But uh, we noticed that people were carrying these tall canes with this little snowman head on them, and they were as I say, decapitating the snowman and taking sips. Turned out they were sipping this drink called Caribou, which is a combination of alcohols. You can read what's in it in um, the story in this week's paper. Um, And so we acquire one of these canes and we fill it and we spend a fair bit of time um, between trying to be outside and seeing the beautiful ice sculptures and all the things that are going on in bars and sipping out of this cane and uh, needless to say um, the ending of that day was was not as lovely as one would have liked it to be including that I had made this reservation at a restaurant whose name I cannot remember that was Wild Quebec Game and we did not enjoy that dinner as we might Oof, have, yeah. as we should have. Can't but imagine. that was a long time ago. <laughs> I just would like to point that out. <laughs> many, many moons. You're a wiser diner today. Yes. I'm a wiser dresser. I don't know that I'm a wiser diner. <laughs> well, Melissa Passenden, the food editor and writer at Seven Days, thank you so much for joining us. It was uh, great to be here. So much fun. Thanks. It was a real treat. Our next guest is Maureen Oxamari, the program director of cultural events at the Montreal Lumiere Festival, which is coming up at the end of February and beginning of March. He's been with them for the past 10 years and also works with the Montreal Jazz Festival. Welcome. Hello. How Hi. are you? And I am so sorry for butchering your name, as all of our listeners will soon be able to tell. I do not have a French-speaking bone in my body. I apologize. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, one thing I, I learned re- reading up on you a little bit is that you grew up in a small town that's known for an international jazz festival. And now, now you work in the festival world. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was born in France uh, a few decades ago now. <laughs> just uh, a couple. Just, just yeah, uh, times two. <laughs> just a couple times two. Um, and I moved to uh, I moved to uh, to Montreal almost twenty years ago, uh, and I grew up in the southwest of France near Toulouse. I mean, in Toulouse, but I was born in a small village where there's like a, yeah that big jazz festival called Jazz in Marciac. And so I got the uh, piqûre, as we say in French, you know, I was like, you know, that grew on me Mm. when I was there. (laughs) And when did you move to Montreal? I moved, uh, like I said, like almost 20 years ago. Uh, It was just, you know... uh, I was just visiting, uh, trying to, to spend like a half a year or maybe a year in Montreal, then moving somewhere else, like in New York and go mm. to South America, you know, just traveling and working uh, there. But finally, uh, I've never moved and I'm still at my first step of my big trip. <laughs> That's great. Well, it sounds like a perfect place to lay down roots. And uh, now you are the, as I said, the program director of cultural events at the Montreal Lumiere Festival. Um, in 
you've been there for for a decade now. Tell tell us about the festival for someone who's never been able to experience it before. So that's the Montréal en Lumière is 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 an interesting festival that was created 25 years ago. Um, and the the idea was to 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 create that moment where uh, people could uh, could enjoy winter and play in the cold and in the in the snow. That that, that was the idea, and that's what is gathering all the people uh, downtown Montreal. So it's it's always been a festival at the end of February. Uh, not always, but late, you know, in the last years, it was uh, end of uh, February, beginning of March. Uh, and yeah, so we, we, we have uh, multiple things happening in Montreal uh, during the festival. There's, there's the food, uh, there's the skating, and there's the music. That's the idea of the festival. Mm. Uh, so we we welcome people on uh, on on a couple of ice rinks we uh, uh, we have on site. So we built one uh, on on scaffoldings. So it's a suspended uh, ice rink. How high and up is it? It's it's not that high, but it's visually it's super interesting. It's it's beautiful uh, ice rink, and it's more parkour than you know like the typical square uh, uh, ice rink that we can find anywhere. You know, oh. so this one has been shaped for the uh, for the Plaza Festival because we have that place in in Montreal. It's a big square where we're doing all those festivals throughout the years. So we have the Montreal Jazz Fest happening there too, and the Francophone Festival, and and all those other festivals that are happening here and uh, Montréal en Lumière is, is at the same place and, and we use that square and we put that ice string there and, and people are super excited you know and they listen to to DJs uh, playing some music and you know there's food you can drink outdoors have like a hot chocolate but if you're more into having a cocktail or a beer you can do that as well so you know it's like being outdoor and, and enjoying the, the winter that's mm. that's that's the idea of the festival. Leaning into the weather. Well, uh, since yeah. you just brought up food, uh, we have a couple callers on the line who it looks like have some Montreal food recommendations for us. We have John who is in Montreal. John, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, one recommendation I have is this restaurant called, uh, I think it's pronounced B Burger. Uh, it's burger spelled with a V instead of a U. Mm. Probably for purposes of um, Googling, you know, <laughs> so that you can always um, find it very easily that way. And it's a vegan burger restaurant. Uh, my daughter and I, we often go out on road trips. I, I'll rent a car from car share and go around Montreal and sometimes we'll sit outside of Montreal to try uh, restaurants, bakeries, ice cream shops, and so on. And usually when we go to, um, when we find a place that's really good, my daughter doesn't really want to go back usually because she just wants to go to another place. <laughs> but this place, this place she's gone to uh, twice already, uh, without me, actually. Um, just because she just loves the, um, she says, the amazing flavor combinations that they, they come up with. Oh. And that's what she really looks for in restaurants, is um, unique flavor um, inventions, I guess you might call it. Mm. Even though this is as simple as a burger, she just loves the um, the crazy ingredients that they put together. It's um, it's run by um, a vegan uh, chef who has a couple of other different restaurants um, in Montreal. Uh, he recently opened um, a vegan poke shop on Saint Laurent, 
near the corner of Pine. And she really likes that place as well. Oh, well, I love uh, all these recommendations place. from you and your daughter's yeah. trips. That sounds really special. And thanks for telling us about Burger. Uh, it's V uh, Burger with a V. It sounds really delicious. Thank yeah. you, John. Um, let's go next to Patrick in Burlington. Patrick, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Michaela. How are you? I'm good. What are your Montreal recommendations? Good. So, you know, I'm in Montreal quite often. It's the first place I lived in North America, and I follow the food scene in Montreal quite often. But I'm going to add to your list here some of the Caribbean, some of the ethnic restaurants. The Mango Bay, which is on McCade, you can't miss that. And I know a lot of folks from Burlington go to the Mango Bay. Mm. And the Caribbean Curry House on Victoria, and that's been there for almost 30 years. And then one that one shouldn't miss is the Blue Nile, and Nil Blue. It's the Ethiopian restaurant on Saint Denis, and that's been there for quite a while. Oh, those! And, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, La Nil Blue, the Blue Nile. Oh, those sound great. Thank you so much for adding those to our list, Patrick. And I'm curious if our guest Moran, uh, have you visited any of these restaurants that our callers just called in about? Uh, yeah, the, the Ethiopian restaurant, uh, I've been there like a while ago, and uh, but I, I couldn't hear the, the first one was Virgil. I've never been, so I, I need to to check this, uh, check this one out. Uh, I'll well, do. Well, tell us a little bit more about the, um, the food scene at the Lumiere Festival. There's lots of international chefs coming into town for it, right? Exactly. So one of the, of the big uh, components uh, at the festival, and I think it's, it's like, you know, for me as a, as a foodie, it's probably the most exciting uh, component of the festival. It's uh, the gastronomy uh, going on. So uh, there's Julie Martel, uh, who works at the, at the festival, who's building that programming where she, she you know, she, she invites uh, chefs from all over the world to come to town in Montreal and in order to cook with a chef from here. So, you know, it's like we, we have like, around like I think 50 stars, 50 Michelin stars coming in town uh, wow. this, this winter. Uh, you know, for instance, we have Emmanuel Pilon uh, from uh, Alain Ducasse in Monaco, who's going to be uh, cooking with uh, uh, Simon Matisse at the Mustard. Uh, I love this restaurant. It's a great restaurant. Mm. Uh, there's uh, Julien Royer, uh, also a three stars Michelin, uh, who is going to, uh, to 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 cook at uh, Monarch uh, restaurant. Amazing restaurant too. Uh, so and there's Glenville too. Uh, for those who were checking uh, Top Chef France, they will know and they they, they will know who is who who is this uh, chef. Uh, he's going to be. Uh, it will be. Um, cooking with at Maison Boulou with uh, Daniel Boulou. So it's, you know, all those uh, meetings, encounters um, around the, you know, the kitchen, and they're going to, uh, to, uh, to be sharing their vision of food. And that's something super interesting. So they, they're like, um, I can't remember the number. It's more than 50 restaurants were, you know, doing like special stuff during the, the festival and were, you know, inviting uh, those chefs from, uh, from uh, everywhere in the world. Mm. so that you know this is very special so if you're you know uh, used to come to Montreal and go to those restaurants if you're coming during Montréal en Lumière it's just going to be a different version of the restaurant you know 
because there would be those uh, those uh, the chefs coming to uh, to to cook and play with the, our local uh, amazing chefs. And let's let's turn for a moment to the music scene that is a big part of the festival. Uh, I was taking a look at some of the musical events happening this year, and it was everything from a Broadway production of Pretty Woman to a marching band to a Y2K night, which for me as a millennial, that sounds awesome. <laughs> what are some of the, the musical events that you're most excited about this year? So yeah, the the, the way we we build the uh, the, the music uh, program is you know we we have uh, DJs playing outdoors every night uh, during the festival, so you know we we, we need to dance to, to be uh, not to be cold. Right. So we need something you know more up tempo. So all those nights we're going to have like some country music, EDM, hip hop. Uh, we have a special night where we're going to. Uh, I mean. We will present that in a few in a, in, a, in a few days from now. It's like uh, we've not announced the, the other programming, so I'm just saying it right now. But you're the the, the, the first one to to hear that uh, outside the team, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's built around like you know uh, parties uh, every night outdoors. Uh, we're going to have that special night with around the. Uh, you, do you remember in 2000s uh, we had that. Uh, um, computer uh, bug you know we didn't know if the computers were going we to we thought the world was going to like explode because all the computers exactly. were going to shut down yeah so, so we're going to have like a special night around that so <laughs> it will be a euro dance and you know all that music that was super popular back then oh amazing um, so that's that's one part the others and indoors yeah we, we have interesting names coming to town like theory corporation uh, playing at mtelis we will have the uh, the 50th anniversary tour of Kronos uh, Kronos Quartet uh, from the US uh, you talked about you mentioned the, the Pretty Woman uh, uh, Broadway show so we'll have them for a few nights uh, in Montreal we have that special show uh, with Keith Koala was DJ uh, is a turn uh, turntable uh, turntablist mm -hmm. um, and he has that very special puppet show because he also is um, also a drawer and you know he's been always doing his own um, album covers and so he, he has that uh, univers where, where he's doing puppets and projection wow. and music and it's a big mix and it you know it's like super kid friendly uh, all the family uh, can go there it's it's super it's, you know it's like the show I'm really expecting to see uh, during the, the festival and we have many local um, local musical heroes like Lisa Leblanc was was like an amazing singer from New Brunswick uh, who sings in Chiac which is a very specific language mixing English and French uh, and she'll be doing like a symphony show of uh, the Shack Disco album and yeah so 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 that's that's uh, an overview of the uh, of the programming mm. well we have to take a break in just a moment but one thing we haven't hit on yet that I would love for you to describe to our listeners briefly is a, a highlight of Montreal's cultural scene the Nuit Blanche on March 2nd oh, yes. can you tell us about that event Nuit Blanche is uh, 
it's such a special night and you know i was talking about the, the importance of gastronomy in the festival and the excitement around that but nuit blanche is definitely like one of the pillar of the of the festival when i when i got in in montreal almost 20 years ago that was in september winter was you know going to start a few weeks after and then you know i i, I lived my my first montreal en lumière and that was that night that saturday night nuit blanche where all the museums and venues and uh, galleries and they were opening their doors and there were like thousands of people in the streets going from a place to another one and enjoying the music outdoors on the side and it was like mind-blowing you know i don't know if you've ever uh, come to, if you have ever come to the montreal jazz festival but you know it's I have, fully yes. Outdoors, and Nuit Blanche is exactly the same, except it's minus 30 degrees outdoors. Oh, God. So and I'm sorry because I'm talking in Celsius and I cannot tell you how, you know, how cold it's it is. Still in, cold. In, it's still cold. It's really cold. <laughs> and people are just enjoying their city and they're enjoying the, uh, the you know, the cultural life of of Montreal. And the, so it's, it's, it's an incredible moment. Um, so... The Nuit Blanche, as I said, you know, it's there are uh, more than a hundred activities around the city. Mm. Oh, it sounds so. Uh, fun. I'm so sorry. I have to. I have to hop in because we do have to take a break. And real quick, that negative thirty Celsius is negative twenty two Fahrenheit for our American listeners. Both very cold. Uh, Moran Oxenberry, the Program Director of Cultural Events at the Montreal Lumiere Festival. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us about thank everything you. that's going on. Have a good day and come and see us. It's fun. <laughs> we certainly will. Next, we are headed out of the Montreal city limits and to the eastern townships, where Lisandra Michel Vero is the communications director for Eastern Townships Tourism. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. All right, Lisandra, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you fell in love with the Eastern Townships, because you're, you're not from that area, right? No, exactly. I'm not a native from the Eastern Townships. I was actually born east of Quebec City by the St. Lawrence River, so more than four hours drive from here. Um, so as you guys, I first got to know the region as, as a tourist, so visited it many times and fell under its spells. And later, a few years later, um, well, I, I fell under the spell of one of its residents while on a trip on the other end of Canada. So we moved back here and for the past few years, well, I've been working to share my love for my, my adopted region. Mm. So tell us a bit more about how the, the Eastern Townships are similar and different to the, the culture of Montreal that, that more Vermonters might be familiar with. Do, do most people speak French as they do in Montreal? Yes, they do. So, so yeah, the Eastern Townships, well, first, I, I must say, we were recently recognized by the New York Times as one of the 52 places to visit in 2022. 23, sorry, because of that, um, that difference with the other regions of Quebec. So we are located an hour's drive from Montreal and we share the U.S. border with three American states. So the region is very accessible, yet exotic uh, for international or American visitors. Uh, we love to say that we are close to you, far from ordinaire, uh, because the region is known as Canada's New England. Um, we were British 
we have a British loyalist Irish and Scot heritage that can be seen everywhere in the style and architecture of, of the Eastern Township's homes, buildings. Uh, we got many covered uh, bridges, barn, churches, um, but with a very strong French flair. So that makes it a bit different than anywhere else. There, there's no place like it in Quebec or, or in Canada. And one of um, folks' favorite things to do in the Eastern Townships, I hear, is join into the spa culture there. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the spas and and um, perhaps the some highlights? Yeah, sure. So I know that most Americans, well, in the United States, you don't have that much Nordic spas as we do in the Eastern Sadly Township. Sadly not, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we have over 20 Nordic spas uh, only in the Eastern Township. Um, just for the listeners here, uh, it's the it's very popular in Scandinavian countries. It's actually a Scandinavian uh, type of activity. It's a thermal experience uh, based on the concept of alternating hot and cold temperatures to achieve optimal relaxation and wellness. Uh, difficult to explain here on the radio. You got to experience it to really understand it and especially as say feel it. But it's a, an, an activity you can enjoy day or night with friends, uh, lover, family in all weather because... It's uh, hot pools, hot tubs, then uh, cold plunges uh, by in the river, uh, lake, or any uh, cold sources. There are saunas and wet and and hot saunas. So all this all this um, experience is a real reward for the whole body, for the mind, for the soul, um, and really. I don't think there's another, there's a better way to end a winter day or beat the cold after having been outside, for instance. So to me, it's one of the best winter activities, but also uh, mid-season. So November is a perfect month uh, to enjoy spas or April, for instance, mm. where where you are in, in between uh, two seasons. Mm. Well, one question for you on the spa culture. I think uh, some of our, some of us here in in Vermont and in the U.S. I mean, associate spas with uh, having to to lay down a lot of money. It's a really expensive uh, thing to do mm-hmm. in a day. Uh, in the Eastern Townships, is that spa culture also associated with with like luxury, with a really fancy day, or is it a, a bit more of a I don't know normal quotidian uh, thing to do? I'd say for the for the local people, it's more of a yeah, a, a day. Well, not a daily, but a, something we do quite often. It's not it's not as expensive as you would think. I mean, a full day at a spa with uh, access to all the baths and and all the all the resort can be around ninety dollars Canadian dollars. Uh, and there's also uh, in most of the Nordic spas, there's restaurants on site, so really easy. You don't have to get out uh, to eat. So, yeah, fairly accessible, I'd say. And it's not just, well, it's luxurious, not because of the price, but because of how you feel after it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a day at the spa or even just an evening after a ski day, you feel like you you spend day on yourself or you spend money on yourself, So which is good. I mean, um wellness for I think I think we we deserve that <laughs> mm. and I guess for our American listeners that that exchange rate is also rather favorable right now too yeah at least 70 70 US dollars and you can spend a full day at this point 
Well, for folks who would rather be outside doing something very active instead of relaxing at a spa, there are four different national parks in the eastern townships. Uh, What do they have to offer in the winter? Yeah, so four national parks, two regional parks, and over 50 other um, parks, uh, as well as nearly 50 uh, mountain peaks that you can access through hiking or some by ski lifts. Uh, We have more than 800 miles of hiking trails. So the Eastern Township is really a hub for outdoor uh, adventures. In the winter, well, there's no shortage of outdoors option. Um, As you mentioned, we have... uh, Four national parks, but we also have four well-known ski resorts. And what is very particular about the Eastern Township ski resort is that they are all 25 minutes from each other's, which means you can enjoy the first tracks at Alzheimer's, for instance, ski resorts early in the morning. Then you can visit Sutton or Orford in the afternoon and then spend the evening at Bromont Montagne d'Experience, the largest illuminated area in North America. They have over... 100 trails lit at night. Wow. So you can experience the, the tree in a day or you can, I, I'd suggest rather that you take four days <laughs> and you get to experience other things than ski. But, but yeah, it's so it's fairly accessible and, and uh, rather, um, rather very close from each other. Mm. And uh, for those who prefer snowmobiling to mm-hmm. skiing, there's a big event that's that's right around the corner, the Grand Prix de Valcourt. Can you pronounce that better than me, please? Yeah, Grand Prix de Valcourt, you were just right. There you go. Um, so yes, for snowmobile lovers, uh, March, February 9, 10, and 11 on your agenda is the most notorious motorsports event in the whole world uh, with professional level of um, many snow cross and ice races. Valco, where where is the Grand Prix de Valco happening, is actually the capital of snowmobile and the birthplace of Skidoo. You know, everybody must know the brand, I guess. Uh, so Quebecois mechanic Joseph Armand Bombardier made the first snowmobile there in 1935 in this little town. So that's why we say it's the capital of of the snowmobile. It's a great event happening in, in the townships, but throughout the whole year, they're over 300 events and festivals of all, all sorts happening in the townships and many other um, happening in, during the winter, uh, like winter festivals and, and special events. Mm. Well, so many fun events coming mm-hmm. up. Um, if Is there, I don't know, one event that we haven't mentioned yet or one really place that's very special to you personally that, that we can wrap up our show with today? Well, it's not an event of sort, but it's um, people may not may not know that we are the cradle of viticulture in Quebec. So Eastern Township has around 30 vineyards. Uh, the first one was founded here uh, back in 1980. So the region has also a wine route. It's the first and only one um, official wine route. We produce 60% of the wine. So if you come to the townships, we talked about outdoors, but because you're, you're, um, the other people on the show, they talked about gourmet culture and, and all the flavors of Quebec. It's also true in the eastern townships. If you come in the townships and don't taste uh, what we have to offer, then I think you're missing on, on something big. Uh, we really we really have a gourmet culture. It's th- that you can enjoy after the ski, after the spa, during the ski, during the spa, all these flavors um, with the microbreweries, the local cheese factories. We have uh, 15 local cheese factories in in our small region, uh, 40 public markets. Uh, So 
it's really a mecca for gourmets and for those who appreciate the fresh, good local food uh, that you can sample in our coffee shops or fine dining restaurants. We have everything mm-hmm. for everybody, but you got to taste the <laughs> Well, wine, cheese, and a day at the spa sounds pretty great to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Lisa Andre Michel Vero, Communications Director for the Eastern Townships Tourism. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Have a good day.